Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 278. I think that the number one most important thing is you got to have fun with what you're doing. And that certainly goes for what we're doing with cars. And if it's not fun, try a different car, try a different show, uh, try something. But always have a good time, enjoy people around the cars, but just have fun. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Cruz. John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, sir. I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. I love it. John Cruz is the principal auctioneer and appraiser at Worldwide Auctioneers in Auburn, Indiana. They conduct multiple yearly auction events. They help customers find special vehicles. They conduct appraisals, handle logistics, and oversee private collection sales. John grew up in the auction business and has been actively involved with vintage motorcycles and collection management his entire life. He's a passionate automotive enthusiast and can be found attending Concours and car events throughout the country. So John, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your business and your passion for automobiles? Absolutely, and thanks, Mark, for having me on. This is great. You're welcome. You know, the auction business is one of the most exciting aspects of any business you could ever be a part of. The rush and excitement of a live auction is really unparalleled, and so even though I grew up around it, uh, that really just gave me more opportunity to experience it more and So I think as I was growing up, I thought I really liked them, and wouldn't that be cool if I'd be able to actually participate in the auction business as a profession, which I've been fortunate enough to be able to do. And, you know, kind of growing up in Auburn, Indiana, I've always been around collector cars and had an appreciation for them, and really from multiple points of view. Certainly from a historical standpoint, you know, I've been able to watch as the Auburn Court Duesenberg Automobile Museum has continued to 
evolve as a world-class institution and actually uh, am able now to serve on the board of trustees there. And there's just continually uh, spectacular things that are going on there. We just finished a big capital campaign, and we've instituted a lot of really cutting-edge educational tools uh, for students and adults alike as they go through the museum. But really, to me, yes, that facility is a National Historic Landmark, but to me it's really the most historically significant automobile museum in the world. And to be able to actually drive by it just about every day uh, is pretty awesome. Next, I've had the chance to grow up in and around the auction world from a collector car standpoint with uh, the first nationally recognized collector car auction taking place here in my hometown, actually before I was born. (laughs) Uh, So it's always uh, been a big part of certainly every Labor Day weekend and even other times of the year. So being able to mesh all that into the ability to actually have and operate a business within that is just awesome. Well, you're extremely fortunate, and I would love to have the director of that museum on this show. I've had many directors of museums, great collections around the country on cars, yeah, but you're so fortunate to have grown up in a family and surrounded yourself with cars. And for the rest of us car folks out here listening to your story today, uh, we're a bit envious because uh, it's something that most of us probably dream about from the time we're little boys. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, John, take the wheel. Well, there's so many wise quotes and sayings and advice that I've been able to receive over the years. But since I've been a high schooler, there's one in particular that certainly is a fundamental control for what I try to view things from, and and it's this, my beliefs, not my circumstances, will determine my emotional consequences. Oh, wow. Yes. My beliefs, not my circumstances, will determine my emotional consequences. And really what that means to me is that as I, as a businessman, have the principles that we set forth for our company as, as I set them forth as an individual, uh, as a just a man, a husband, a father, a friend, coworker, family member, or acquaintance, that... I don't want to let circumstances determine how I'm going to to feel or operate. And we all experience different circumstances in life. Some are great, some are horrible. And, And a lot of times when particularly horrible things happen, we can have a negative reaction to that. And even when we have great things happen, sometimes we'll let ourselves get a little bit outside the lines. And so that's something that's really been of huge benefit to me. And I think uh, it could be a benefit to anybody as they approach life, whether it's with or without cars. And and that would be what I would would tell you is is the most important one to me. Absolutely. It's wonderful. That's a, a quote I've not heard here on Cars Yeah, but I love that in so many ways because you're right. It fits not only into the car culture, but into everybody's life. And it's a great one, too, I would think, to share with children as they're growing up and finding their way in life. I love that. 
It really is. And, and one other thing I would just add to that, Mark, is that I hear this all the time, and I've heard it growing up and, and continue to hear it, and you probably heard it, and most of the listeners have probably heard it, and that is we, well, you know, business is business, and we separate everything and compartmentalize everything, and, and I don't know that that is the healthiest way to approach things, and I actually try to not do that. Certainly, there's a time and a place for everything, but I think that if you're who you are, uh, regardless, uh, and, you know, if you can't do a business deal and decide, oh, well, you know, I can blur the lines over here because business is business and then come back over here and, well, I got to do what I'm supposed to with my family. So I think that if you really view your entire life, again, I say, you know, we all love cars, but we still are who we are the rest of the time, even when we're having fun with our cars. So it's, it's really kind of a, a life thing and it's all together all the time. And whether you want to separate it or not, it really is still together. Well, it is. And I believe that people that find a way to separate it are adjusting their ethics and integrity in a way or making excuses for something that they normally wouldn't do or how they would normally not treat somebody by saying those words. Well, it's just business because it is really about life and people. And I think you said it very well there. Absolutely true. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You grew up in a car family. You grew up in a car state, uh, the great state of Indiana. Could you tell us that pivotal moment as you recall it in your life when you realized that John is a car guy? You know, there are a few. The, the earliest one that I remember just being around cars, my great-grandfather had purchased his last car and it was a 65 Dodge Dart. And when he passed away, my father got the car. And so when I was very little, uh, that was the car that my mom actually drove. And I remember being about four years old. And it was winter. And as you may know, we have snow here every once in a while in the winter. <laughs> a little bit. And we were uh, out headed into the store and ended up in the ditch. Uh -oh. And I remember being stuck in the ditch in that 65 Dodge and, and finally the tow truck came and all that. And, and really what occurred to me was, you know, we, we kind of need this car to get where we need to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and realized in that moment also, and, and certainly maybe not quite as articulately as, as I am saying it now, but conceptually understood that, you know, the automobile and the car is really given us as Americans potentially as much freedom as anything since our founding documents to really come and go and, and do as we please here. And I think that when you think about uh, being a car person, to recognize what the automobile affords us to do is just huge. Yes. And so that might be different than a lot of people's realization that they're a car person. But for me, that's the earliest vivid memory that I've got thinking, you know what, I like cars and, and I need cars and I want cars. And I think everybody else probably does too. <laughs> well, you're the first guest that his car realization started in a ditch, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying, that freedom that the car provides us. And I've had many guests 
from around the world here on Cars Yeah who have said to me, coming to the United States, creating a business here around automobiles and their passion, it all comes back to the freedom, the freedom that this country provides people, the freedom to do whatever they put their mind to and, and their back into, and the car is a big part of that. So I agree 100%. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood. I want you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how you overcame it and what did you learn from that situation? Sure. Well, I would say that growing up in and around a family that has been in the collector car auction business for a long time, when I made the decision, along with my business partner, Rod Egan, I left our family business. And I wasn't very old and hadn't worked there that long. But to make a decision like that was certainly a monumental challenge to take a, you know, a kid that uh, didn't have a huge ton of experience and, and to go out and do that. And we fortunately were able to have success in doing that and so forth. But I think that when I made that decision and we did that, virtually everyone said, you know what, I don't think you're going to make it. Pretty sure you're going to fail. And there were a few people uh, who supported us and, and who told me, hey, I think you can but it was probably 20 to 1, hey, you're going to fail. So from a challenge standpoint, it was really a, you know, wow, this is a, a huge challenge to do. <laughs> what am I thinking? Yeah. Maybe this is a bad decision. And, and from a further challenge uh, standpoint, and, and you mentioned failure, I think the failures that allowed for, the market crash here back in 2008, I think, really provided everyone with a significant challenge to oh, yes. succeed or fail. And while it certainly was a very difficult time, there were many days where I thought, you know, I, I'm not wanting to fail and I don't think we're going to, but everybody else is saying, well, you kind of already have and it's the end and everything's shutting down and to watch so many people who did have to officially fail, if you will, and, and mm -hmm. shut the doors to be able to come through that and to still have a, an operating successful auction company is probably the biggest thing we've overcome, even more so than just starting out because, you know, again, sort of a lot of the listeners experienced a lot of tough times and maybe still are as a result of that. Yes. And uh, so that's really, I think, the two biggest things that, that I've had to face from a challenge standpoint, and fortunately, uh, have not completely failed in either of those. So I'm I'm very blessed to be able to say that at this point, and certainly grateful. Well, congratulations! I've had many many guests who cited that time period as the most challenging time period in their career, and some didn't make it and had to pivot and change what they were doing and. Uh, start something anew, but it uh, it's a great testament to what you built and what you continue to build. And the, you're right, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, and I wanted to say something here because my daughter's not that much into cars. I've been into cars my whole life, but I've tried and tried, but it's just not her thing. 
I took her to her first auction down during the Monterey weekend years ago, and I've never seen somebody become a car person in literally moments. She got so fired up, and I thought she was going to say, when are we going to go back to the hotel? She wanted to stay the whole night. It's because that excitement, (laughs) yeah, that live excitement was just intoxicating. So uh, I think you hit on something there. It's just a a wonderful venue. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Would you share a story with me, an aha moment in your career? It's one of those times when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. Sure. Well, being an auctioneer and being in the auction business, there are repeated aha moments because you talk to so many people, a lot of uh, folks who are brokers in the collector car world who don't do anything else, who are not quite as, oh, shall we say, excited about the auction stuff, and they think that everything should be non-auction and so forth. But when you get to these auctions, and again, growing up, going to them all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a car auction or a different type of auction. When you're there and you watch the emotions, the intensity, the excitement of folks as they bid and you see those deals go down, it, I mean, it's a ha almost every time. Like, you know, <laughs> This is why I, I do this, why we continue to do it. And so being in... You know, just a little kid, you know, I worked my first job. I was three and a half, and I got to carry clerk tickets for a farm auction my grandfather was conducting, and my dad had helped. So I got paid 50 cents to carry clerk tickets back and forth from the auction block to the little office was set up. And, you know, just to go out and watch people do that, I really you know, I know you want one specific, but on that, it's just a consistent throughout my whole life realizing that, man, I love this auction transaction and how that works. Probably the biggest business aha was probably about 21 when I realized that, you know, not everybody wants to run a business. They don't all want to own something. They don't want that responsibility or stress. And, And then from an owner, operator, and client standpoint to realize that even other successful people, you know, hey, that they're going and doing their thing and they've made their money and they're coming to our collector car events to have a good time. Right. And it's not quite as much about business, even though it's my business. And so this is really a, you know, what I do is, is really a facilitation of people's hobbies. Mm -hmm. And so it's got to be fun. And we try to make it fun while it is still serious. And there's the investment end of things that, you know what, I guess I'm supposed to do this because not everybody else does. (laughs) And I got to make sure to keep it fun. Yes. So that that would be definitely a, a lights on. Hey, this is this is how we need to do this. And have tried to to keep it that way, son. It's wonderful. And I think you uh, officially hit the youngest entrepreneur point at three and a half working at an auction. (laughs) That's amazing. Very, very cool. Definitely in your blood, in your genetics. How about proudest career moments? I assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us that really stands out for you? You know, I would say that we had early on, 
when Rod and I first started Worldwide, had done what we'd refer to as mainstream type auctions where you try to have two, three day or more sales and thousands of cars. And back in 2005, we had made the decision to transition into a catalog auction company. And that's where, you know, we've got pretty much a one day sale, four or five hours and everything's in a catalog. It's done ahead of time. And uh, it's a very much more purposeful, if you will, style for a lot of folks. And and we had decided to do that. And again, we were faced with the naysayers and you're not going to make it and so on and so forth. And so we had gone down to Houston, Texas, and we still have an auction down there last weekend of April each year. And we were able to sell uh, 90% of the cars we had in that auction. We set three world records. Wow. And I think that a lot of people say that you know, the hardest thing is to start a business and all this kind of stuff. And, and it is, but a lot of times it's more difficult to totally shift gears and, and change your model within a currently operating business. And that's what we did. And so to be able to come out of that with uh, not just uh, success, but, you know, world record success, I think is probably I don't know if proud is the right word, but certainly a level of satisfaction that, hey, look, that was not only a right decision, but you know we're going to be able to do this and people are accepting of us doing this. And, and it was certainly a, a very, very, again, satisfying moment uh, when that took place. Congratulations for that. You know, there are so many naysayers to tell us we can't do, or we shouldn't do, we ought not do what our vision has. And I love the fact that you talk about pivoting within your business because it's so important for entrepreneurs in any business, but the automotive business to know if you're digging a hole somewhere, sometimes it might be best to stop digging and go dig somewhere else. And the fact that you're able to pivot and try something completely new that no one had ever seen or heard of before is spectacular. So kudos to you guys for doing that. It's really cool. Let's have a little fun. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory that you had with that car. Well, that's a pretty difficult question to answer because for various reasons, many, many cars are special. But I would say that the car I would bring up because it's kind of fun is a 1952 Chevrolet Bel Air two-door sport coupe. Now, before everybody, you know, turns the sound off and thinks I'm (laughs) nuts because that's the most special car. It's not just because of the car itself, but it's because of what the car was able to do. And it was the car that Gene Hackman, movie star, drove in the movie Hoosiers. Ah. For those of you who haven't seen it, it is uh, one of the greatest sports movies of all time. And it's about Indiana basketball. And I'm from Indiana. I love basketball. I still play yet today. And uh, so to be able to have, you know, a vintage car that was in uh, my favorite movie and, and a great movie and, and kind of was a movie star in and of itself is just a, a load of fun. And, and I chased it for a while and finally got it. But really more important than just having it is the memories that we've been able to create with it. I, I've coached high school basketball for uh, about 16 years now. And on occasion during the summer, we'll have the high school guys who are 
you know, their driver's permits or getting ready to get their license or maybe just got it. And we'll take them over to big private parking lot and we actually let them drive the car and it's a three on the tree. So most of them of course have never driven any sort of manual transmission. So again, for an Indiana high school kid to be able to hop in the Hoosiers movie car (laughs) and learn how to drive a, a standard shift car really has created some neat memories and and it's just a lot of fun and hopefully we'll be able to continue doing that into the future. Oh, it's fantastic. That's really cool. I've had some very interesting first special cars, so don't worry about that. The 52 Chev is just fine by me. Is there a vehicle that you've sold over the years? I know you've sold thousands, hundreds of thousands of cars through auctions, but for yourself, is there a vehicle that you've owned and sold that you really wish you could have back in your garage? There is. I had a 63 Maserati Sebring Coupe, Mm. and it had been gone through by a real sharp mechanic who's very specifically qualified for Maserati, and it was just a spectacularly driving car. I mean, I loved it and ended up selling it, and it was, I I don't know what... uh, we were thinking at the time, and, <laughs> and certainly it, it's worth uh, a way ton more money today than it was when when I sold it. But you know, more than that, you know how it is. You know, part of the fun of these old cars is even the same year, make, model of a car can drive a little different. Oh yeah, and operate a little different. And this one was just dialed in. So you know, even getting another same year, make, model may never be able to replicate that. Uh, precise experience that we had over the time we had it. So I definitely would love to have that car back and and unfortunately don't have it. Oh, they're beautiful. I love those vehicles. I had a guest on Cars Yeah early on who has several of those cars and just loves them to death. So uh, yeah, they're beautiful. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? There is. Uh, you'll remember just a little bit ago, we talked about that 65 Dodge Dart that we got stuck in the ditch in the snow. Uh-huh. And that car ended up being the first car that I ever bought and owned. I bought that from my dad when I was 15. And I still have it. And it is in need of total restoration. And it's not running and driving currently. And uh, we've got a little farm here in Indiana, so it's been in, in the big red barn. And <laughs> we are uh, in the process now of, you know, checking out, you know, some parts and getting some things in. I've talked to a couple of fellows I think are going to help me with it. And so we're, I'm excited to be able to get that car back on the road. And it's neat, you know, growing up with it. Uh, having the family history of it and it being my first car and still actually having that car wow! and uh, getting it back together and rolling is, is certainly something we're very excited about. Ah, very cool. I can't wait to see that thing roll out of the red barn and have you hop in it and uh, drive down the road. That's going to be spectacular. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, John. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, that's a great question. I would say that I would be a 1935 Auburn Boat Tail Speedster. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's a car. Now, why 
is John a boat tail speedster? Well, I think that I would say that because you know, an Auburn boat tail is somewhat nostalgic. Uh, it's a bit of a classic in general, uh, but it's also something that has a lot of poise and grace. Folks all over the world appreciate it, and it also has a little flair to it. So it can be understated, but but it still has some speed and flair, and I would aspire to many of those qualities, and and so if I was going to compare myself to a car, that's what it would be. Wonderful. I love that, and that's the first boat tail on the show, so that makes it even more special. So, John, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's sponsor. No more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. Includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlets so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at Genius Chargers All right, John, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yes, sir. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy quality and buy what you want. Match quality and desire and you'll never regret it. (laughs) Absolutely. Very important. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Sure. I have tried to each day read uh, as much as I can, but as part of that, uh, I will try to read the proverb of the day. There's a a book of wisdom, comes out of the Old Testament, the Bible called Proverbs, Mm -hmm. that uh, King Solomon is credited with writing most of, and there are 31 chapters in that book, and we have, you know, 28 or 30 or 31 days in our months, and so I'll try to read that chapter for each day of the month, and it never ceases to amaze me how applicable what I read that day is, even though I've read it literally hundreds of times. uh, It's just really again, a book of wisdom that helps when you're trying to make decisions. So that's that's a practice that I make and, and hope to continue to make. Wonderful daily trade for sure. Do you have a resource that you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? Yeah, the best resource that I think you can get is, is experience. And I say that in there's so many ways that you can try to achieve that. But for me, it's really conversations with our oldest generation of living collectors. And a lot of times we don't take the time to seek out and talk to folks who've just been around and, and done it. And, you know, being in Auburn and being a life member of the ACD club and things like that is anytime I have a chance to sit down and talk to some of the 
folks who've been around for a long time and are in their 80s and even 90s, I try to do it. So there's certainly a lot of printed resources and online resources and those types of things that you know, we're all probably familiar with. But, but to me, number one recommended resource, talk to the old people who know a lot more than we have had an opportunity to learn yet and soak up as much of that as you can. Well, it's a wonderful bit of wisdom, and I'll share with you, and our, my listeners have heard this before. I've taken my son, who's now 21, to many, many car events over the years, going back to when he was four years old. And one of the things I always suggested to him is for him to step forward, introduce himself, and ask an owner at a car show, a vintage race, an auction, tell me about your car. And he's told me to this day those experiences have been a defining part of his ability to communicate better, but also as a learning experience from people that he would have never gotten from a book. Because these people would let him sit in their cars. He sat in cars on the lawn at Pebble Beach, at vintage races, jumped in the seat of an open-wheel race car, and just simply talking with people. And this car hobby we're in really is about the people and not mm-hmm. the cars. So I love that you listed that as a reference. It's it's wonderful. Is there a book that you would share with our listeners that you think they would really enjoy reading? Well, boy, there's a lot of lot of books that are fantastic. One that's been I think impactful to me that the listeners might appreciate if they haven't looked at it is is entitled The Five Dysfunctions of a Teen. It goes through really how a team should function and whether that's in business or family life or, or anything, it's at car club events or with your buddies, uh, being able to think about those things has been really helpful as you just deal with people. And again, we all deal with people and, and the cars or, or the people associated with them are almost, as important, if not more, than the actual iron that's rolling. And so that that would be a, a great book for folks to check out. No, I read that book years ago. It's a wonderful book by Patrick Lencioni, if I'm saying his last name correctly. Uh-huh. And it is a really, really powerful, valuable book. I had a team of managers that worked under me, and I bought a copy for each of them and had them read that, and we sat down and discussed it. And it really helped relationships uh, amongst us improve uh, at a time mm-hmm. that they were challenged a little bit. So, yes, fantastic Great. book. First time that's been suggested here on Cars Yeah, so we'll include it on our guest recommendations list on the Cars yeah website. And listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyeah.com slash John Cruz. And John's last name is spelled K-R-U-S-E. All right, John, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. I know you love Duesenbergs. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because I'll buy you any car you'd like, what would that one vehicle be and why? Well, it would definitely be a 35 or 36 Auburn supercharged boat tail speedster. And I've not had the opportunity to own one. I think it's the most iconic car as I look at different collections, you'll have all European car collections, and there'll be a Auburn Boattail Speedster, all German or French, and you'll see that one American car. And sometimes it's maybe a Duesenberg, but as many or if not more, it's it's a Speedster. And being in Auburn, 
uh, I think that it would be fitting. So that's definitely number one on my list. Ah, gorgeous, gorgeous automobiles. Wonderful. John, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Auburn supercharged boat tail speedster? You know, I appreciate the time and being able to be on the show with you, Mark. And as I do what I do as an owner of Worldwide Auctioneers and get up every morning and get after it, I think that the number one most important thing is you got to have fun with what you're doing. And that certainly goes for what we're doing with cars. And if it's not fun, try a different car, try a different show, uh, try something, but always have a good time. Enjoy people around the cars, but just have fun. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Well, they could certainly attend one of our auctions, which we have Saturday night of Labor Day weekend every year in Auburn and the last Saturday in April every year in Texas. And we also have some other ones that we'll have. But our website is the easiest way to follow along with us, and that's worldwide-auctioneers with an S dot com. And you can certainly also like us on Facebook and other social media platforms and certainly call us anytime too at 800-990-6789. Love to talk to you and learn about what kind of fun you're having with your cars. There you go. Well, again, you can find links to everything John has been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com. Just put John in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And before I say goodbye, one last question for you. How do those auctioneers talk so fast? Well, just like everything, you got to practice and you got to do it and you got to have something to sell. But 25, 50, 100 now, 75, 75, I have it now, 100. At 75, 100,000, what do you think there? 100, thank you. Now, one and a quarter. Anybody else would have been sold? Mark bought it for 100,000. <laughs> oh my gosh, I put my paddle up a little bit too late. <laughs> oh, actually too early, but oh, that was wonderful. Thanks for doing that. I, I have tried and tried to speak like that. I need to practice more, <laughs> that's for sure. But I've got a huge smile on my face. John, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.